Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Kidnapping of four U.S. citizens in Matamorosa, Mexico. Wait to see what the kidnappers want if there's a demand for ransom. The U.S.-China policy has entirely deviated from the rational and sound track. Time for Joe Biden to take a firm stand against Chinese communists. The president's about to release his budget. A slim chance of actually getting passed. Come on, man! Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in a... uh, just released information on that uh, story about the four Mex- uh, the four Americans that went down to Mexico. Uh, two Americans who survived the violent kidnapping in Mexico have now returned to the United States just within the last hour. They've been trans- uh, transported to a hospital in Texas. The two survivors have since been um, back in the United States, repatriated, said the State Department. Ned Price at a news conference uh, that occurred within the, with the assistance of our Mexican partners, with the assistance of officials in Mexico. We're in the process of working to repatriate the remains of the two Americans who were killed in this incident. And there were two killed. Um, apparently, the, the four were from the Myrtle Beach, Florence area. They had North Carolina plates. I'm not sure if one of the four, the driver or the owner of the car, was from North Carolina. Um, one of the individuals who lost their lives was from the Myrtle Beach area. Uh, two of the four American citizens kidnapped in Mexico are dead, while the other two remain alive. And again, the other two have been repatriated back to the United States. They're in a, in a uh, hospital in uh, Brownsville. Um, the governor of uh, Tamaulipas, Tampa, uh, Tampa um, Governor Villarreal, said that one of the surviving Americans was wounded. The other one was not. Two are, have lost their lives. The FBI is still working on uh, returning. Well, they've gotten the, the two back, and now they're working on returning the two that uh, the two bodies of those who lost their lives. Uh, this was not. I mean, this is just. It's a very very sad situation. Apparently, they were going down there because one of the women. It sounds like there was two men, two women. One of the women wanted a tummy tuck in Mexico, which I don't think that's a real good idea. I'm just saying. But uh, apparently they were caught in crossfire. They were kidnapped. I don't know if they originally thought that they would hold them for ransom. And and no word yet of how the two got away from the kidnappers. Uh, I can only assume that the kidnappers... Well, I can't assume anything. I don't know what happened. But... uh, one of the victim's fathers, uh, father, a uh, gentleman by the name of Odell William Brown, said the family is reeling from the news. I don't know which way to go right now. We don't know what's up. It's unclear if uh, I, I, I believe, and I'm trying to put together all the, uh, connect all the links, but it sounds like uh, this uh, Odell William Brown was the father of um, Zindel Brown, who lost his life. So anyway, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that as uh, this continues to unfold. Uh, Again, good news, two of them have been returned to the United States. Bad news, two of them lost their lives. The um, Carolina Journal is uh, reporting. Yesterday we talked about this uh, situation outside of Atlanta where they're building this 
um, police officer training facility. And over the weekend, there was violence that took place. Uh, apparently, there was a music festival happening nearby. And uh, I think it was, uh, what, what was the number I gave yesterday? So I think it was like 20, 20-some individuals only two were from the state of Georgia. The rest were from other states. Uh, some were from other countries that were down there protesting. I mean, this is, has all the markings of Antifa. Uh, interestingly, according to the Carolina Journal today, one of the individuals was a second year, one of the individuals that was arrested that did the violence, that was throwing the Molotov cocktails, uh, throwing and firing um, bottle rocket type of fireworks at police officers. Uh, One of those individuals was a second year law student from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Hmm. Uh, He was in the school of law. He was arrested. I've said he, (laughs) hold on. Uh, He was arrested Saturday or Sunday, rather charged with domestic terrorism in a coordinated crowd attack on the police training center in Atlanta. James Jamie Marsicano, 30 years old, was among the 23 people arrested after police said a group of demonstrators used the cover of a peaceful protest. Yes, that's what liberals always call it, a peaceful protest, and the South River Music Festival to attack construction equipment and police officers. Police say 35 people were detained and 23 were charged by the the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Quote, they changed into black clothing and entered the construction area and began to throw large rocks, bricks, Molotov cocktails, and fireworks at police officers. The UNC School of Law confirmed that Marsicano is a student, but the representative for the law school had not heard about the Sunday arrest and did not have any details. Further requests for comment from UNC's media relations have not been returned as of the Carolina Journal press time. Marsicano is listed on the UNC School of Law website as a Dean's Fellow with an undergraduate degree from Brown University. A couple good universities there, if you like liberals. Uh, Michael Marsicano, the suspect's father, retired in January 2023 from 23 years as CEO of Foundation of the Carolinas, also a governing board member at Duke University and Duke University Health System. Michael Marciano was named to the top spot of the most powerful in Charlotte in 2017. He and his wife, Leslie, have remained influential in the Charlotte area, leading Charlotte Mayor Vi Lyles, $250 million Mayor's Racial Equity Initiative. Sounds to me like the acorns don't fall too far from the tree in this case. James, the son, his bio on the UNC site lists a hometown of Charlotte. And hold on, activities as National Lawyers Guild, Outlaw Organizing Off-Campus, he also goes by the alias of Jamie Marsica or Jamie Marsakina, identifying as a white trans femme organizer in Charlotte who is fiercely committed to supporting black trans femmes, prison abolition, uh, and destabilizing all forms of oppression. She, they, 
was a core organizer during the Charlotte Uprising, according to uh, one publication. Atlanta PD and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation list names of uh, both the alias and uh, his given name with mug, mug, <laughs> mug shots on the uh, website detailing Sunday's violence and listing the names, all the names of those arrested. So, uh, yeah, this is... This is uh, I don't want to say this is a, a typical law student at Chapel Hill, but he was a law student at Chapel Hill, and uh, it sounds like they are about as progressive as you can get. Uh, they, they're, they all want peace, right? And in order to get peace, we need to throw Molotov cocktails and attack police and make sure there is no law enforcement. Uh, the sad truth is, will this person be treated with the same kind of treatment that the January 6th protesters got. What's the difference? I mean, what, what is the difference? You're, you're attacking police officers? I, you know the answer to that question, don't you? So Governor Roy uh, Coop gave his fourth and final state of the state address last night. It appeared that the room was uh, divided. Obviously, Democrats and Republicans were both there. Uh, the governor was introduced by Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Uh, this out of the Carolina Journal. The governor started his speech with basically a history lesson of North Carolina. And, of course, he had a little cheerleading session for North Carolina, which I understand. He's the governor. He needs to do that. He segued into how North Carolina is becoming a leader in the global clean energy economy, bringing good-paying manufacturing jobs to parts of the state. He cited a battery manufacturing plant in Randolph County, a semiconductor production facility, and electric vehicle manufacturing in Chatham County, and a charging station production in Durham County that's already taking place. Coop did receive applause from both sides of the aisle when he mentioned that the state broke records in 2022 with tens of thousands of new jobs that North Carolina was named and that North Carolina was named the number one state in the country for business. Again, this is just last year, 2022. Next on his agenda was education. Cooper took a swipe at Republicans over a judge's order to bypass the state legislature and direct the Treasury to release millions of state dollars to fund the 2018 Leandro Comprehensive Remedial Education Plan. The previous left-leaning Supreme Court upheld that judge's orders, but last week the new court became uh, basically said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to put that on hold until we can see all the uh, evidence in the issue. Uh, the court should uphold decades of bipartisan Supreme Court precedent that comes down on one side of the children because that's what really matters, Cooper said. So if you're going to take that logic, then why didn't liberals, uh, when the Supreme Court in 1973 uh, made abortion legal with the Roe decision, why didn't liberals say that then? That, gee, we, we need to keep the precedent that has taken place in our country for, for decades. Um, the court should uphold decades of bipartisan Supreme Court precedent when it comes down on the side of children. It's all about the children. That's what matters. That's the favorite line of every liberal. I mean, no matter what the issue, oh, it's for the children, and you're just supposed to fold. Uh, the budget I will present invests the entire education plan ordered by the court, he said, which is over a billion dollars. Um, good luck with that, Coop. 
He said his budget proposal would also give teachers and principals double-digit raises. Well, first of all, the court has reversed that decision. I mean, he says, the budget I will present to you invests the entire education plan ordered by the court. The new Supreme Court has put that on hold, Governor. And secondly, the Democrats always want to take this education deal and, and act like they have done the most for education. Go look at the numbers. Go look at the history. Democrats, for decades, North Carolina was the bottom of the rung. North Carolina and Mississippi were at the bottom. Decades, Democrats, while they had a monopoly on who ran the North Carolina legislature, they did nothing for teacher pay. It has been the Republicans that have been making up lost time that the Democrats— their policies were just, no, we'll just give you minimal crumbs. Unfortunately, the teacher union, which I know is not officially a union, but it might as well be. I mean, they continue to bow to the Democrats. It's the Republicans that have significantly increased teacher pay and uh, basically made us more competitive. I'm not saying we're at the top, but we're certainly more competitive. And when you look at the cost of living and the teacher pay, when you consider those two items, we are competitive. Uh, Coop took another jab at Republican-led General Assembly for proposing further tax cuts, citing that North Carolina Chamber of Commerce has says that the current corporate tax rates are already comp- uh, competitive. Now, now, listen to this. So early on in his speech, he basically takes a bow because, as I just said, of the tens of thousands of new jobs that were created in North Carolina— and that North Carolina was named the number one state in the country for business in 2022. He took bows for that. Then he turns around and chastises the legislature run by the Republicans for lowering taxes. Why do you think we had all these new jobs? Why do you think we were the number one state in the nation for business? You can't have it both ways, Coop. You can't insist on increasing your taxes and, and this, this is why it is so ludicrous that any Democrat would say, oh, yeah, look at us. Look at what we did. We're the number one state in the nation when it comes to business. No, because if you had the, the Democrats in control of the state legislature, we would not be number one. We would probably be somewhere around 30 or 40 because you'd be increasing taxes every chance you've got. Cooper promised that as a part of the American Rescue Plan, every home in North Carolina would have access to high-speed Internet. Um, by the way, um, th- this will really be interesting. So who will get high-speed Internet and who won't? I mean, is, that, is everybody going to get it? That's what he said, but I don't think uh, some of these Internet companies would be too happy about that, would they? Unless, unless the state plans on paying the Internet companies for everybody's Internet. The room became divided when uh, Cooper brought up Medicaid expansion. Democrats cheered. While some Republicans are for Medicaid expansion, um, for the most part, uh, many Republicans were rather stoic when he brought that up. He also talked about investing resources to recruit and retain law enforcement officers. Uh, Tell your cohorts in the Democrat Party to, to start supporting law enforcement. Quit talking down to law enforcement. Quit vilifying law enforcement officers. Uh, He also called to fight gun violence, 
citing the recent release of the Child Fatality Task Force annual report that said children in North Carolina were 51% more likely to die from gun violence than the average child in the United States. The same report found that the suicide rate among North Carolina teens has nearly tripled in the last 20 years. Uh, And again, I I don't want to sound overly simplistic, but isn't it interesting that these numbers, especially the suicide numbers, go in the wrong direction for kids as liberalism more and more get away from biblical values? Just saying. Cooper briefly, uh, briefly mentioned that there is still work for us to do for hurricane survivors who may have felt uh, forgotten and left behind. This is really an interesting comment that he brought up. Um, listen, the fact that there are still the North Carolina Office of Recovery and Resiliency still has not distributed the funds that everyone needs for Hurricane Matthew. These funds were given from the federal government to the North Carolina Office of Recovery and Resiliency, which clearly falls under the executive branch, clearly a part of the governor's oversight. So as a part of the executive branch, that's who's responsible for this. Hurricane Matthew happened six years ago, almost six years ago, six years in October. The federal dollars were funneled to the state and the state has still not distributed the, the, the dollars to the people that need them. And, and some have gotten it, many have not. <laughs> Interestingly, he brought that up. Like I've been sitting on my rear end all this time, not getting the money out, but hey, we're going to take care of it. As he wrapped up his address, Cooper referred to the Parents' Bill of Rights and abortion policy. Quote, use the public schools to build a brighter future, not to build, bully or marginalize LGBTQ students. Uh, the bullying is coming from those who have a LGBTQ agenda, who are pushing it on the kids. Cooper said, quote, don't make teachers rewrite history. What does that have to do with the LGBTQ agenda? Keep the freedom to vote and reach for every eligible voter. Leave the decisions about reproductive health to women and their doctors. Don't, don't consider, uh, 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 code speak, don't consider the baby. Don't consider the fetus. Don't consider the child in the womb. Just the doctor and the, and the woman. Leave it up to them. Uh, no. Uh, I, I hope that the North Carolina legislature will speak loudly and clearly on this issue. Um, stay with us because I want to give uh, or talk about briefly Mark Robinson's response. He gave the response to Governor Cooper. Talk about that and more news and views for a Tuesday continues right after this. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. I don't hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news sources. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is March the 7th, National Serial Day. A little history behind that. It was 126 years ago in 1897. 
Dr. John Kellogg served the first cornflakes. He served them to patients under his care at a mental hospital in Battle Creek, Michigan. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Hand me the cornflakes. They didn't like the cornflakes, but they were cuckoo over cocoa puffs. I, I blew that line. Cuckoo over cocoa puffs, right? I'm cuckoo over cocoa Come puffs. Come on, man. Now, speaking of cuckoo, um, taking a quick look at your weather forecast, uh, clear tonight, a low of 36. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, but the high is only going to be 56. Tomorrow night, cool and clear, a low of 34. Maybe some frost in certain areas. Thursday, it warms up a little bit. Lots of sunshine, uh, a few clouds in the afternoon, a high of 59. And uh, partly cloudy skies on Thursday evening, a low around 35. By the way, while I'm thinking about it, um, Thursday we will be off because of a Duke basketball game. The ACC tournament is going on, of course. And Friday, I have to be out of town for a funeral. So uh, we've got a short week here at News and Views this week. But... uh, Next week, we should be back to full swing. A uh, quick look at your weather forecast um, brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. As the weather gets warmer and life gets busier, you deserve time to relax and have some fun. Ironwood Golf and Country Club invites you to become a member, make new traditions with friends and family on the course, in the pool, at the courts, or while enjoying a meal with one of the most beautiful views you'll find anywhere in eastern North Carolina. Ironwood offers a variety of memberships with no initiation fee required. For more information or to take a free tour, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number, 752-4653, 752-4653, extension 202. Remember, too, when you join Ironwood, you also receive reciprocal golf and dining privileges at the Beaufort Club in Beaufort, Compass Point, and Magnolia Greens outside of Wilmington. So you join one, you get four. And uh, when you get ready to go down the beach, you have your golf all paid for. Uh, So Cooper did his State of the State address last night. He was introduced to the uh, legislature by Roy. uh, Roy Cooper was introduced by Mark Robinson, the lieutenant governor. Uh, Interestingly, he he did a good job um, with his response. rebuttal he is um he's running by the way he is running for governor um let me do this before we we go to what he said last night in response to governor cooper mark robinson was one of the key speakers at cpac we talked about cpac yesterday in the polls that came out he was up there i think he spoke on saturday and uh, it was interesting Now, a lot of people are assuming that he is running for governor. He hasn't officially announced it uh, in his book. Now, look, when you you write and release a book, (laughs) the book, We Are the Majority of the Life and Passions of a Patriot, uh, he writes in the book, I am quite serious about the possibility of running for governor. Well, that's why you write the book, right? (laughs) Whenever somebody's going to run for president or maybe run for governor, you write a book and release it. Uh, but listen, I love Mark. I would love to see him become the governor. Um, he made it pretty clear. It, you know, it got interesting. As he was getting the speech, he came out. First thing he came out and said, listen, I, I don't want to be the governor. And he followed it up by saying this. Cut two, Clark. 
When I say I don't want to be governor, this is how I describe it. I want you to go back in your mind. Go back to Jan uh, June the 6th, 1944. Go back to the English Channel. Find one of those Higgins boats. And in that Higgins boat, you'll find a young man probably from Bedford, Virginia. A member of the 116th Infantry, 29th Infantry, that is about to attack Omaha Beach. The toughest fight of that day would take place on that beach. Some 70 to 80 percent of his comrades would be killed. I want you to go back in your mind and I want you to ask that young man, why did you come here to this place? Why did you want to join the army and come here to this place? Why did you want to watch your friends be slaughtered? Why do you want these Germans shooting at you? Why do you want to leave your family and friends behind, possibly to never see them again? I would imagine that that young man would probably turn around and look at you and say something to the effect of, I didn't want any of this because this is not about want. This is about service. You see, my nation is in trouble. The Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and Hitler is murdering his way across Europe. I cannot sit at home and watch this world burn. And have my nation in trouble. It's time for me to stand up and serve up to and including giving my life if necessary. This is not about woe. It's about service. And the people in D.C. need to hear it. You're not there to serve yourself and your, your self-interest. You're there to serve the people of this nation and the state you represent, the area that you represent. Yes up to and including your political life as, if necessary. That was Mark Robinson when he was speaking at CPAC. Now, some people are going to hear that and say, oh, that's a political speech. No. And the reason why I say that is he had the same passion and was saying and was talking about the same freedoms when he was working in a factory in Greensboro, North Carolina, and addressed the city council years ago about gun rights. Uh, again, how many millions of hits has that impromptu speech that he made before the city council there concerning a gun show? Uh, this guy has a gift. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that he is on the right side of the issue. He's Listen, he admits he, doesn't, he hasn't done everything right in this life. He's not perfect. None of us are. But he's a Christian man who's got conservative values. He believes in hard work. He doesn't believe in a handout. And he, he talked about that last night when he gave the uh, response to Governor Cooper. I mean, one of the things he talked about was his personal story growing up, family of 10 kids. He was one of 10. His father was an alcoholic. He was a, the father was abusive to the mother. When uh, the father was finally out of the picture, the wife, his mom, went out, got a job as a custodian, didn't take welfare. He says, she was my hero. She encouraged me to dream and told me that with faith, hard work, and perseverance, I could achieve anything. You know, it's amazing when people have a strong faith in Christ. It's amazing how they can come up from the ashes. Literally, the Lord brings them up, but I mean, they get their priorities straight. Robinson said he can relate to every North Carolinian who has ever faced adversity. He lost two jobs because of NAFTA eventually lost his house and car, was forced decades ago to file for bankruptcy. 
He said he persevered and leaned on his face, faith, eventually served in the military, worked in manufacturing, served as a general manager in a restaurant, owned a small business for over 30 years. He also shared that he walked across the stage just a few weeks ago at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro after earning his degree 30 years after beginning college. See, this is why you got to love this guy. He's, he's one of us. I mean, you know, the, the highfalutin, arrogant politicians, they would look down on a guy like this who well, it took 30 years to get his degree. Oh, my goodness. I, I admire the guy. I mean, he's out there supporting his family, working, becoming lieutenant governor, and he's still finishing his college degree. Kudos to the guy. This is a great American story. Robinson touched on legislative issues, calling on the General Assembly's economic policies common sense. Robinson said that if Democrats had their way, the state would go backward with government control, high taxes, and attacks on personal freedoms. Bingo. All you got to do is uh, look at Exhibit A, the Biden administration. And listen, Cooper loves everything that the Biden administration does. He also said that teachers have one of the most important jobs in society and should be paid accordingly. We need to quit asking teachers to be police officers, social workers, and parents, he said. Their job is to teach plain and simple. And what, they should, and what should they be teaching our students? They should be teaching our students how to think, not what to think, ensuring that personal and political ideology stay out of the classroom when we get back to the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic. By the way, it was interesting he said that. Now, I don't know that he realized that Cooper was going to bring up uh, the fact that in his speech, he finished up, Cooper did, with referring to the, the Parents' Bill of Rights. And uh, again, the Parents' Bill of Rights basically says what, what Mark Robinson just said. We're not going to push ideologies. We're not going to push the LGBTQ ideologies. And the parents have the right to intervene. It's not the educators. It's the parents that are the first line of defense for the kids. Robinson called uh, out the recent public test scores unacceptable, referring to a false study that found that the share of North Carolina eighth graders who lack basic skills expanded to 34% in reading and 39% in math. He said he was criticized during his first few months in office as a state board of education member when he evaluated the state's proposed K-12 social studies standards and opposed the ideology-driven materials. Because of this, this is the irony. I mean, it's interesting how, you know, if, if you're a conservative and you disagree, well, you disagreed with Obama on his policies, you were a racist. Clearly, they would had no hesitation to call you a racist. Here is a black man, a conservative black man, and when he opposed the ideology, the woke ideology of this social studies agenda, he says, because of this, because I oppose this, these, uh, this social study curriculum, because of this, I was the first black lieutenant governor of North Carolina, yet I was called a white supremacist and depicted as a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Member, um, as a member by one of the largest media outlets in the state, he said, that did not deter me. Instead, uh, it fueled me to fight harder for the students. He praised the legislature's, uh, legislature's work to secure $11.6 million in funding for an apprentice program. Bingo. 
again, can we get back to apprenticeships? Can we get back to technical trading, teaching trades that kids can immediately go when they're finished high school, when they know how to read and write and subtract and add and do multiplication? Uh, then they can lean on their trade, whether it be an auto mechanic, a, a plumber, a, a bricklayer, a contractor. One thing that Robinson agreed on with Cooper is that the need for high-speed internet across the country, he acknowledged the Cooper administration and the legislature's ongoing work to help that become a reality. Robinson said in law enforcement, they are not getting the respect they deserve and it's taking a toll. We must drop our weapons of political war, Robinson said. We must work hard on behalf of all North Carolinians. We must come together to work on real solutions to the real problems we face to overcome the challenges as we always have and celebrate our victories and work for a better future. The guy is running, and I will be his biggest cheerleader. I mean, I would be very disappointed if he uh, came out and said he was not running. Hey, we've got to take another time out. We'll talk about uh, Tucker Carlson's release of those videotapes. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Must-see TV uh, tonight is uh, Tucker Carlson. I don't know if you saw it last night, but he has begun to release the January 6th videos. By the way, Tom Tillis uh, was calling the coverage by Tucker Carlson total... BS didn't use the uh, didn't use the letters. He used the word. Here's what uh, here's what Tillis said. Cut one. I think it's bull. I was down there, and I saw maybe a few tourists, a few people who got caught up in things. But when you see police barricades breached, when you see police officers assaulted, all of that, or you had to be in close proximity to it. If you were just a tourist, you should have probably lined up at the visitor center and came in on an orderly basis. Now, interestingly, Tucker Carlson last night acknowledged that there were those who were violent. There were those that were breaching the barricades, and there were police officers that were trying to hold them back in the, on the barricades. He acknowledged that. But he also continues to question, and I'm sorry, there are two sides to this issue. And it's interesting. Have you ever watched reality reality TV? I I know enough about TV production that you can make anything look any way you want it to. It's a question of what is released and how often do you play it and how do you play it. I mean, you can can turn, uh, you know, a saintly individual into an ogre just by camera angles and certain things and repeating and not showing the good side, only showing the bad side. And that's exactly what has happened in this January 6th committee and the video that has been released up to now, totally controlled up to when Kevin McCarthy uh, took over as the speaker. It was totally controlled by Democrats. They released the video that you want, they wanted you to see and nothing more. Tucker Carlson made the point, first of all, yeah, there were some bad guys in there, but we've never found out how many police officers, how many FBI agents were infiltrated in the crowd. 
the fact that the FBI refuses to answer that question is shocking. And then the idea is, oh, we got to protect these people. Well, we don't know who they are. We don't uh, pictures of the crowd. The average person doesn't know that. Oh, look at that guy. He's an FBI agent. Just tell us. Were they a part of the crowd or not? And of course, you know they don't want to tell you. <laughs> then their narrative totally falls apart. One of the two interesting things that they focused on last night, one, this individual by the name of Jacob Chansley, he, he was the guy with the Viking horns known as uh, QAnon Shaman. Um, there was all types of video that was shown of him being escorted by Capitol Police. Tucker Carlson made the point. Now, perhaps, perhaps they were, you know, they, they would say, well, we're just trying to quiet the situation. But this guy is, I think he's facing something like six years in jail now. He ended up pleading, pleading guilty to certain charges. But, you know, the, the point that Tucker Carlson made was, okay, well, if the police escorted him into these places, why aren't they charged as an accessory? Because they, they did nothing to stop him. And some of these videos, the number of police officers to one Jacob Chansley was like nine to one. And the guy was unarmed. And by the way, again, Charlie Hurt last night said, you know, they keep saying, you know, the armed insurrection. Apparently, those people that said, well, yeah, they were armed. They had, they had American flags and their own flagpoles. They, they were armed. But the second individual that they pointed out was um, the uh, Capitol Police officer that they said was killed. They continue to say that this individual was killed. Uh, what, what was his name? I'm trying to uh, find it here in the article. Uh, Sicknick. Sicknick. Um, it turns out there was all kinds of video of him later in the evening after he supposedly was killed by getting hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, which the New York Times originally said that he had. They later came, and, and of course, everybody picked up and ran with that. They later came out and re, you know retracted the story and said it wasn't true, but nobody else seemed to retract the story like the New York Times did. But... Um, Anyway, this all kinds of video of him when he was supposedly dead. So you know, I, I don't. I, I'm not saying that Tom Tillis uh, did not see the things that he said he saw. I wasn't there, but it's pretty obvious that uh, while there were some some bad guys, as Tucker Carlson said, there were a lot of people there that were welcomed in by the police officers. The police officers were holding the doors open for them as they came in. Should they have been arrested? Should some of these people have been tried? And, you know, again, there was individuals there that um, should have been arrested, but apparently they were on the side of the police officers, even though they were uh, trying to gin up the crowd to go into the Capitol. Yet they still seem to go free. Anyway, Tucker Carlson's going to have uh, part two of that on tonight. DVR it if you can't watch it, but uh, interesting stuff. we got to take one last time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Gigi Sohn, who was going to be the nominee by Biden, she was, to the uh, head up the FCC. Uh, Joe Manchin officially deep-sixed her earlier today, saying he would not vote for her. Um, she basically would head up the oversight of the Federal Communications Commission. The Breitbart News wrote back in January, with jurisdiction over Internet and telecoms policy, the FCC is an increasingly important arm of the federal government. Sohn was the co-founder and CEO of the leftist advocacy group known as Public Knowledge, which recently called on cable and satellite providers to drop the conservative One American News. As an FCC commissioner, Sohn would be in a position to influence over cable and satellite providers. She has also personally called on the FCC to investigate whether the Sinclair Broadcast Group, a conservative-run network of local TV stations, whether they should hold broadcast licenses at all. Of course, if she was the head of the FCC, she would be able to pull their licenses. Why? Because they're conservative. Not that they've done anything wrong, but because they don't share her point of view. She's also said that both Fox News and social media are dangerous to our democracy, arguing that Fox is the greater danger and calling for a hearing about whether the network, which she labeled as state propaganda, ought to even exist. (laughs) Thank you, Joe Manchin. You can tell that uh, Joe is running for re-election. He's sounding like a conservative. But, uh, hey, we'll take what we can get. Hey, thanks for being with us. we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.